0: Fans about films, nerdy and informative. Dear listeners and a very warm welcome to the newest episode of fans about films i actually stopped counting how many episodes are there now i don't know but you will see it in the description i am as always your creator and host lasse vogt thank you again for tuning in and i have for this specific topic a new and wonderful guest who is going to introduce herself right now
1: hi my name is lissy i run the Lucy goes to hollywood blog some of you might know me um, i'm mainly on twitter at lgth blog and i'm also on instagram too so i blog about all sorts i'm a film reviewer film podcaster the works basically so it's a pleasure to be here thank you for having me on
0: very excited i am excited too thank you so much <laughs> um is this uh, this podcast stuff it's nothing new for you right
1: no, I've been sort of, you know, on guesting on different podcasts, and I'm setting up my own next month as well, which is very exciting. So it's sort of, it's good practice for me. So it's always a pleasure to, to get on new podcasts and talk about new things.
0: Oh, yeah, it's great. Uh, call me <laughs> in. I, I would like to be a guest on VAR as soon as it, it's Absolutely. All set. Yeah,
1: you're more than welcome. <laughs> I'd love that.
0: Thank you very much. Um, so I just. Dis- I don't even remember how exactly we discovered each other on Twitter. That's how most of these stories go. I just uh, see someone on Twitter whose who stuff I like, and then I um, come to him or her and say, "Hey, want to do an episode on my podcast?" And more often than not, they say yes, which I am very, very grateful for. And we were originally supposed to do this last year, right?
1: Yeah, we were. <laughs> yeah, so sorry about that. You know what's good life that's crazy sometimes, but I'm so glad we managed to do it. It's a great way to, um, you know, kind of end January. Very excited to be doing it with you finally. Um, so yeah, um, I am sorry that I wouldn't get a chance to do it sooner, though. My bad.
0: Oh, that's totally that's totally fine. Yeah. You know, sometimes stuff comes up, um, and I'm over of happy.
1: Of
0: <laughs> I'm often happy that it finally worked out. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> so um, the thing is, it's actually really fitting that we are doing this at the end of January, because uh, in the last pff, five, six years, January has um, established itself as shitty horror movie month.
1: <laughs> That's very true. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which uh, And this is not our exact topic, dear listeners, um, but you've already seen it in the title. Our topic today is horror movies in general and you would think you would look at the length of a podcast and you would say what in this short amount of time they are talking about horror movies we are talking about very specific things uh, that consider horror films and um, i think we can do that in this uh, short amount of time and before we go deeper into that what is your relation to horror films or the scary film genre in general
1: I've kind of grown up with them. It's kind of my mum's fault because she loves horror too. So um, she kind of got me into them. So I've loved them from from the age of about 15, probably. Um, and then obviously I've just kind of been watching them over the years. And I've, I've always had a very close relationship with horror. It's been a genre that's interested me for so long now, just in terms of the psychological aspect and so forth. But I'm sure we'll get into that later. Um, have you been watching them for a long time as well?
0: No. Um, no? To be, to okay. be perfectly serious... My very first horror experience was at the age of 16. (laughs) Ah, fair enough, okay. Uh, The the first film that I would consider horror I saw at that age was Sleepy Hollow, Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. (laughs) Okay. And nowadays I don't even really consider that a horror film anymore because it's so deliberately campy and such an homage to the classic <laughs> Hammer Horror stuff that it's I mean for, for a newcomer it's certainly scary it, you know there are atmospheric scenes in that and mm-hmm. it's but it's for the most part is it's so over the top and stylized you know with very very few scary scenes for the most part you just admire the filmmaking and the, the mm-hmm. style they're going for so but back then me and my younger brother we were totally creeped out <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I think it's funny because people have such different sort of responses to horror. You know, some people, it takes a lot to scare them. Some people scare very easily. You know, it's just interesting, the psychological responses to that. Like, I'm a big horror fan, but I get scared really easily, which is probably a little bit contradictory, but I think they're doing their job if they scare me. So, yeah, I've always been a little bit sort of, like, creeped out by things. Oh,
0: oh, yeah, totally. I can't
1: remember the first one that I watched, actually. It might have been the first Saw, actually. might have been. The first, there. <laughs>
0: the first, saw, yeah, Which, bit, yeah. Uh, the first, the first saw I would still consider a horror or like uh, in in the mm-hmm. thriller department. But yeah, totally, you know, in, in the type of psychological uh, body horror stuff. Um, mm. You know, this this kind of uh, mindset you're getting into, this uh, this killer, his motivation, what what would you do in this situation? You know, it's it's certainly very very interesting. And it's mm. it's weird what this franchise has become for a while. That was the go-to horror film every year. Like, in every October, there was a new <laughs> yeah. one. And it was this big staple, you know, when, when people like, oh, the new Saw will come out in October, let's go see it. Even when people didn't like the films anymore, they just got used to it, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think horror does fall into the franchise trap, and Saw so is no exception to that rule, but... Uh... No, I think my advice to most people is stop after three when it comes to that particular film. <laughs> I stopped <laughs> because it just gets ridiculous after
0: that. I made an even wiser decision and stopped after one because <laughs>
1: Fair enough, I can't say, I blame you.
0: <laughs> because people told me how it uh, went further along the way and that I was just yeah, no. This this type of stuff, you know, um this this <laughs> is fine. This is this is a good solid film. But no I'm I was much more interested in the stuff both the writer and the director did after that because that went back to the classic horror stuff the haunted house type of stuff yeah, um, yeah. which which we will talk about uh, of course too but it's but it's interesting to see um you growing up with horror it, sa- sadly you can't remember the very first thing but but how old were yeah. you? can you remember that?
1: Um, I think, you know, my first proper sitting down watching horror probably came when I was about fourteen or fifteen, I think. But, you know, I think my mum had always, you know, kind of grown up with like the posters and the kind of, you know, the DVDs around the house and she used to listen to that kind of like edgy rock music, so it was that kind of culture that I sort of developed for myself later on in life. Um, so it's entirely her fault, like I say, that I'm like this. <laughs> Oh. But uh, she's, yeah, she kind of introduced me to all the classics or, you know, all the 80s ones or like 70s ones, like Halloween, like Nightmare on Elm Street, we watched all of those together. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't say I started at a very young age, I would kind of advise against that. But certainly, you know, when I was in high school, it was a big part of my life. And going on to my adult years, it's kind of stayed with me as well.
0: Ah, oh, I see. Um,
1: you. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's one of those genres that I feel, you know, you can bring so many fresh, new, exciting ideas to the to the genre and it can merge with other genres too. You know, it's one of the genres, you know, it can be like horror comedy, like sci-fi horror, like Alien, that kind of thing. So it's just, it's amazing how it can blend. And I just think it's it, it never bores me. You know, I'm still finding films now that I absolutely love.
0: It's, just, it's a beautiful thing, really. Yeah, that's true. That's certainly yeah. true. A lot of a lot of different mashups you can do with that. Yeah, I grew up with, as a kid with German and Swedish horror—no, uh, not horror films, kids' films—which um, mm. <laughs> were very, very <laughs> harmless and nice. And some of the um, classic Disney stuff, stuff like I watched Dumbo a couple of times. Peter Pan was a huge thing. The fifties Peter Pan that was mm-hmm. uh, that was a big hit with us. But we were as kids. I think our parents realized they were pretty protective of us in the way what we could watch and how long we could watch. And mm-hmm. uh, they also realized that we had, me and my brothers, we had, especially me, we had this big sense of imagination and we would react to films in a very, very um, big emotional way. Like even like they they uh, didn't let us watch The Lion King until I was like maybe 10 or like oh, wow. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast because that's, that has some of the more rougher stuff in it, you know, with uh, in Lion King, the father dying and Beauty and the Beast, you know, the whole uh, magic beast thing in the scary castle. They knew that that probably would scare us and we actually, we didn't want to watch ever the second half of the classic Disney's Jungle Book, because of Shere Khan, we were so afraid of that, that after the big, um, <laughs> monkey city thing, we would just mm-hmm. stop the tape, and say, you know, after this is the scary stuff, we can stop now. <laughs> and that, that became a tradition, and then just one day, we went further and said, oh, this isn't so bad, but then, at that point, we were just a little older, I guess, but yeah, so, horror stuff, no, I was, uh, I was a big, big, um, how how can I say that? I, I was very, very easily scared and frightened. And um, that, hasn't, that hasn't changed that much in a way. Like right now, you know, I am much more uh, keen on watching the filmmaking itself. You know, watching like, oh, this is how they set up the scares, you know, this is how they set the timing and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. It's it's still, but it's still not that hard for a horror film to scare me. But it has to scare me in the right way. I'm not that fond of that jump scare crap. where I just constantly things come at you and it's loud and obnoxious after a while. I like it when they take the time use the atmosphere and all that stuff Uh, but Mm -hmm. you know when a jump scare is well done um, like uh, which is weird because the new It movie from 2017 uh, that one has quite a lot of jump scares but I thought they were creatively used and fit the whole time period and the tone they were going for so I guess in that case they managed to do it better than most other horror movies where the jump scares were obnoxious to me
1: yeah no i totally agree i think you know jump scares can often be overused certainly in in modern horror films you know any kind of ghost things like things like insidious and all that stuff you know like the conjuring like certainly the the latter films The, the first one was good but the sequels are just constant jump scares it's just it gets cheap after a while and you just think oh like, it could be anything you could just put anything on the screen and a scream and then you would jump like it doesn't mean anything yeah i think you know the, the tension and the atmosphere and the story is something that scares me a lot more um so I, that's why i love psychological horror so much i think it's a it's a good way of like getting people's heads rather than just lazy jump scares
0: yeah you write cool. about
1: it as well totally i totally agree with that <laughs>
0: Yeah, because in the first Conjuring there are very few jump scares in it, maybe like three, four, or five. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And
1: then they just ruined it, and it's like, <laughs> Oh no! I don't. I didn't. I
0: didn't think so. I really, really liked the <laughs> second one. I thought it was a little bit long. Oh really? Oh, but I didn't, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> think that they. I didn't think there were that many more jump scares in it. I still thought it was uh, creatively done, and mm. uh, and uh, it's, I think my favorite jump scare, when you can count it as a jump scare, is when the old man's face pops up. In between the lamp and the TV, and he's screaming, "My house!" That was that was just fantastic when I watched it <laughs> in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, whole all, yeah. the whole audience screamed and then they laughed, uh, which was great. But even even later on, when they use some of the scares, they are so well set up that I didn't mind the relief, the big noisy relief. I mean, there are more jump scares in the second one, I think, than in the first one, but not by. But not a whole lot. I watched it a couple of times, and I didn't. I didn't mind it so much. So I guess that's yeah. something we can disagree on.
1: <laughs> no, totally. I think I just have this. I'm, I'm. I'll put my hands up and admit that I'm kind of unfair of sequels a lot of the time. I. I get a bit annoyed about franchising, but the, the first Conjuring really stood out for me, and then I just think it. For me personally, it really went downhill, but you know i think as long as they're not just every 10 seconds then you can a jump scare is is a perfectly valid way to scare the audience just provided you use them creatively like you said
0: yeah i mean uh, jump scares it's just yeah. it's just the easiest way to scare people and yeah, it's no, exactly. uh, and in that terms it's cheap and lazy I made a whole video essay about that how jump scares is just it's the equivalent of a pie in the face in comedy <laughs> yeah because right, it's exactly. you know a pie in the face it's easy to it's easy to do and it's funny but if you do it constantly it gets old and it's mm-hmm. the same with jump scares where people just predict it and they grow tired of it and um, and, and I th- also I totally agree on the first conjuring because I watched that after a recommendation of my younger brother who watched Mm -hmm. it, and he was like, this is the scariest thing ever. And he is incredibly screamish when it comes to uh, horror films. Like, I watched Insidious right next to him, and that was just a blast, because he was... When the... Uh, red Devil's face pops up behind Patrick Wilson.
1: Oh my he, god! I, I did. I actually screamed in the cinema at that. It was really embarrassing. Yeah, he was. He was. Like I wasn't prepared.
0: <laughs> he was leaping off the couch. It was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that on a big screen, though. Oh boy! It traumatizing. <laughs> that would be
0: great. And even in the uh, sticking with James Wan uh, when he was kind of forced to direct the second one because that's how it looks like to me. Uh, it's like you know the the first one was so immensely successful and they were like okay do a second insidious and it's pretty much just a two hour epilogue to the first one (laughs) right yeah exactly (laughs) You you could cut it down to a ten minute extended ending to the first one and it would work just fine because they really don't add anything new but it's remarkable that even though it's a lesser script and the movie really doesn't have much point to it he still doesn't have as the direction. He doesn't put jump scares everywhere. He's still atmospheric in the setting up with the scenes. So I uh, props to him for that, you know, that he still tries to do his best to make it work. It just, just the script uh, doesn't give it a good. Um, it isn't a good basis, you know. It's just when nothing is set up, the scary stuff isn't really scary.
1: No, exactly. And I think, you know, James Wan, for the most part, has been amazing with horror. You know, he did do the first Saw film, um, which is awesome. And I wish he'd done the rest, frankly, because I think you would have done a better job. Um, And then it's just funny because you have like, you know, Insidious, you have all this stuff. And then you have like Fast and Furious 7. yeah. And you think, okay, where's this come from, James? Like, this is very odd. And then obviously Aquaman as well. So it's interesting to see him moving from horror into something else now. But I would love to see him come back. You know, I want I want us to bring James Wan back into the horror universe. That would be oh it. yeah, it's one be... of my favorites
0: actually. Oh yeah, I mean he he's <laughs> he's such a great director, but it's great how he can branch out to other stuff. I was also surprised with Fast and Furious Seven, and nowadays that's considered to be one of the best. So uh, yeah. his first action <laughs> his first action thing it and it is a success. And then he does Aquaman. Did you watch Aquaman?
1: I did, yeah. I had fun with it. Yeah, you know, I totally I, did I as well. I wouldn't say it was like you know fantastic, but did I enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. You Absolutely, know, it, was a, it was a good ride.
0: It's it's so, ve- it's pretty impressive that Aquaman of all things is the first film in a DC cinematic universe that that looks and feels like it has a vision behind it. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, because it was beautiful you know, as well. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a beautifully shot movie. You can see uh, how he frames the action. It, it's exactly how he does it. How he does the horror stuff in the Conjuring series, you know, with the wide wide angle lenses, with long takes. Um, yeah. The first fight scene with Nicole Kidman, I immediately noticed that, and I was like, okay, I I can totally see he's bringing his uh, A game uh, to this. And also, uh, he lets loose with some horror stuff. That trench sequence is great.
1: Actually, yes, that's a very good point. I never really considered that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, then, like, that, like, was
1: go- that was gorgeous. I love that shot.
0: Oh yeah, that, but, that shot lovely. when we when we dive down with, uh, yeah, with, oh, with the red oh
1: that's, really that's great but
0: also when the creatures turn up at first you know there's jump scares oh. in that sequence it's bloody. Yeah, yeah yeah i wasn't
1: expecting that
0: at all it's so bloody you know. it's going i watched that one with my <laughs> i watched that movie with my 11 year old brother you know and he was uh he, he was digging that sequence but he also got a little scared of course because it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's great and also for that specific scene he brought his horror composer joseph bishara back he actually Scored that whole sequence, um, apart from the stuff Rupert Gregson Williams did for the rest of the movie. Like just for that scene, he brought his horror composer back. Oh
1: wow! I didn't know that. Wow, that's a really cool fact, actually. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's also it's on the soundtrack and it's credited to uh, Bischoff. So and it sticks out, you know. It's the very last track of the soundtrack, and it's just (laughs)
1: fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's it's
0: amazing how uh, different it is uh, in in comparison to the rest of the score. Yeah, um, no, so glad to see that you're also a big fan of uh, James Wan and his work. And uh, what I wanted to talk about is um, some of the movies, some of the horror stuff we have seen recently, especially the past year, 2018. What stuff have we seen and can we recommend it or can't recommend it? Why don't you go first? What kind of horror stuff have you have seen uh, in 2018?
1: Okay, the main one for me, I've kind of banged on about this on many podcasts already, but I'm happy to do it again. Um, Hereditary last year was such a good experience in the cinema, like so fantastic. Have you seen it?
0: Um, I have to admit, I bought it on Blu-ray, I watched maybe like the first hour, and I was like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I was <laughs> so, I was so scared, and I will finish it at uh, some point. I just can't do it now. I was just... I, I couldn't take it. It was so... I, I, I was just, you know, completely frozen in my seat. And it's just because... The thing is, uh, what I noticed immediately, it's not really... It's not directed like a horror film, at least the, the first half I saw. It's directed like a drama. It's written like yeah. a drama. And the stuff that happens in it is so psychological and in this very, very brutal way realistic mm-hmm. and so emotional that it just it, it just I, I know it reminded me you know I, I can see why people compared it to the exorcist because that also is directed like a drama yep and that's why yep. it holds up and this is just like you know there are no jump scares in it so far i stopped at the point where um tony collette comes in and at night and says let's try this stuff you know let, let's try in the living room to to, to call to Uh, our daughter you know at at that point i was like no no i can't i just have to stop (laughs) it now it just just can't
1: oh i hope you can finish it but i totally understand that kind of reaction i think it was a very uncomfortable watch for me i think it was you know um big 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 spoiler alert just for listeners out there um obviously when the girl dies that was such a, a harrowing moment for the entire like cinema I think everyone just—you could hear a pin drop in my screen—and it was just like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. And you thought, like this is taking a wild ride here. Like, this is awful."
0: <laughs> yeah, but what's what's really worse is not the incident itself because that that's kind of, that comes out of left field. But uh, I was kind of prepared for that because I think someone on Twitter like like told me something about that. So I like, mm. I kind of I kind of pieced in my head together what would happen, and so I was kind of prepared. But the worst of is what comes after that because he just sits there shell-shocked he drives away goes to bed just lays there and then you can hear the next morning his mother finding the body screaming and then they cut to the head covered in ants that was the point where i was just yeah uh, that was the first time where i was like i should probably turn this off
1: (laughs) yeah no i think it's very much about like the horror of grief isn't it and the horror of sort of denying things and the you know human things and yes there's a supernatural element to it but you know like if you kill your own sister it's a harrowing horrible experience that you'll never be able to forget so it's just such a wonderful way of portraying that sort of genuine realistic horror um and I thought Tony Collette Performance of, of grief was just fantastic, and she has been snubbed at the Oscars. It's not fair. Yeah. But that is another conversation entirely. And um, but no, I just thought hereditary was just such a wonderful piece of modern filmmaking, and, and for a debut film, absolutely stunning. You know, so so good. I could yeah. talk about hereditary for an entire podcast, but lo- loved it. I like, loved every minute
0: of it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's that's good to know. Because with yeah. um, it's amazing uh, during the last few years. What like debut directors did, like The Witch, um, that was also a first timer, and it's like that was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, and with both of these directors, it's like they uh, they directed movies since like decades. It's so professionally done and so uh self conscious, it's so steady, um, in the way they handle it, and it's just amazing, you know. We have so many great, fresh talents out there. And it's it's interesting to see where they go next after that, and uh, let's let's hope for the best because, boy, um, hereditary. Because I've I've seen some criticism online uh, of people who didn't quite like it, which I can understand. You know, maybe it's something that uh, relates to them personally, or they just liked it for they just didn't like it for for certain plot stuff or decisions or something like that, but it's it's undeniably a very, very well-made movie and I was uh, very, very stunned by the filmmaking and uh, the same goes yeah with The Witch, but that was 2015, 16, I think.
1: Yeah, around about that time, yeah. I just think it's wonderful, you know, that if that's your debut film, I mean, come up. Like, I want to see what you've got next, you know, it's just it's really exciting. Yeah. And lots, lots of filmmakers are doing that recently, it's just like, oh, so much talent,
0: like, it's not fair,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, so I mean, aside from hereditary, what else was there? Have you got one that you thought? Oh, fantastic? absolutely!
0: Um, I watched. Yeah. um I watched Overlord.
1: Oh, Overlord! Yes, fantastic example. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: love that. Yeah, which is a great example of uh, you know putting different genres into one. Because I had the, uh, the fun experience. I watched that with my um, with also my podcast friend um, Rachel uh, Bennett. Um I was visiting her at the time in America and I uh, and we went to see that movie. Oh no 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 we didn't we didn't see that movie, sorry. We went to see um Bad Times at the Air Royale and we got a trailer for Overlord. Mm-hmm. And I've never heard anything about that movie. Nobody heard about that movie because hey, it's produced by JJ J. Abrams, that's his thing. And uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I saw the poster outside and I read Overlord and I was like, what is this? Is this some sort of video game movie, whatever? And then I went into the theater and then they played the trailer and um, I didn't know what it was. And they show the, you know, the World War II soldiers and they are uh, get, they are getting shot out of the air. And then I was sitting there like, another World War II movie. And I was kind of drifting off and was like, you know, I would really like to see a World War Two movie where they get trapped in a very, very uh, disturbing horror film. And then the trailer revealed that was exactly what the movie was. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because a lot of people have said that, you know, they don't like war movies personally or they don't like sort of zombies. But Overlord did both and did both very well. Yeah, And I think it's one of the rare examples of a fresh take on, on both of those genres, you know. Yeah, we've seen zombies a thousand times. We've seen Americans, you know, battling the Germans a thousand times, but we hadn't seen this, and it was just so fresh and new. I yeah. loved it. Oh, we yeah. saw it in um, IMAX as well, so that was pretty intense.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> great! That was great. I saw it. Yeah. I saw it on a, a little smaller screen with just a few people on a very sun- yeah. sunny Californian day. But I really, I, <laughs> I really dug the film. Like I was, uh, I was uh, very excited to see it. I, I thought the uh, the direction was great the, the, the shock uh, the shocking moments were well done. The whole premise I was like this is this is a very very cool idea and when the the gore and all the blood stuff finally kicks in it's, it's kind of cathartic in a way because yeah. <laughs> you, you kind of waited for that and but uh, it's what's great is each of these two movies kind of combined to one could work. Um, without the other in a way like it uh, before the horror kicks in it's a very very good war film
1: yeah no absolutely it is and it it does have that tonal shift halfway through you know it kind of goes from war to something weird is going on hello like and it's very very creepy visuals as well yeah like when when the guy um he gets injected with something right and then he just sort of like starts like freaking out. And it's when the thing he's died, and I think they put it in his body. Am I remember that correctly?
0: Yeah, yeah, grow yeah, and yes, then he yes, wakes up and again. And then
1: he's like freaking out, and it's like, oh my god, that was a creepy thing to watch.
0: Yeah, that but was that's, that's wow. a, <laughs> and there's also this very very dark humor buried in there, which which comes to life in that sequence as well. And yeah, loads of practical effects, which are really appreciated. They mm-hmm. they do a lot of good stuff with the makeup. Uh, great villain, um, you know, they, they, you, you get... Uh, and also they, they don't give much of a background of, like, the serum or the exact plan. You know, it's it's kind of like it's, it's vague how it's like, oh, yeah, super soldiers, blah, blah, blah. But you can piece it together in your head and they don't over-explain it, which is nice because but also you can fall into that trap with horror over-explaining everything uh, to the point where it doesn't... Uh, where it isn't scary anymore and in this way they do it very well C- certain things are unanswered uh, which which also to me didn't come across as sequel baiting because the movie ends in a way where it's like this could totally be a standalone thing but it could leave itself open for uh, you know another spin on this specific idea
1: yeah definitely <laughs> I, well, no, I, I just thought it was just absolutely fantastic and like you when i saw posters for it i was like what th- what is this like what does this mean and, like the posters were very ambiguous and I, I was very surprised yeah i didn't think i would like it as much as i did actually end up liking it
0: oh yeah but i I mean when i saw jj J. abram's name on it i was like okay this makes total sense but nobody has heard of this because i think uh when rumors were kind of like uh coming to the surface about it uh, some people thought it would be another entry in the Cloverfield franchise and uh, uh, then they realized with the trailer oh no this is actually something uh, totally different but yeah it was great experiencing the trailer with Rachel and both of us were like oh oh it's a switch and we talked about that in our review of uh, Bad Times at the Air Royale and uh, I, uh, I said there like oh I will probably go see it and then I saw it a couple of months later and I was uh, pleasantly surprised it was, it was a fun fun ride fun mashup movie yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> Is there anything yeah. else in two thousand eighteen horror related you've seen that has come out?
1: Uh yeah, there was a, there was a Quiet Place as well. It was at twenty seventeen.
0: Oh yeah, I still. It, it, it de- depends on where you were in the world,
1: I think. But I think it was seventeen, eighteen. I think it straddled those two years, didn't it? But it was definitely big last year.
0: True, oh, it was totally big. I still, yeah. I still haven't seen it, unfortunately. But I heard great things, and I know the premise, and it sounds, it sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's fascinating what they do with silence and I think silence is a very underrated sound technique in films you know I mean it it technically is a sound you know it technically is a way of editing things and it was just very clever how they managed to incorporate that into the narrative without making a gimmicky that's another thing like it didn't feel like oh it's just a gimmick it's just whatever It it felt genuinely like terrifying like really good use of just Long lingering shots, not really knowing what was going to happen, and you know you were trying to be quiet, like the characters were trying to be quiet, and it was it was a very intense experience for the audience. I think um I had a blast with it. I really did. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Silence yeah. is silence is so important, especially in horror. Yeah. um so. But also, you know, sometimes you know, science fiction or action films can show us what you can do with silence, like that that uh, sequence in the Last Jedi when the ship uh, flies through the other ships. And it goes completely silent for about ten seconds. That was really well done, I thought.
1: Ah, yes, yes, of course. Yeah, it's funny because it it has such a good presence in in different genres. I think you know, and I think it, it's an underrated technique. I think people don't appreciate silence as much as they could. Sometimes the absence of a score is better than an obnoxious score that nobody asked for, right? You know, I think it's it's about choosing when to put it in and when not to. Mm-hmm. That's something that I I find just really fascinating and in a quiet place was, you know, I, I, I'm trying not to spoil things because I really want you to get as much as you can out of this, but it's just such a, you'll be on the edge of your seat the whole time. It will not be comfortable for you. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't comfortable for me either, but I had a, I had such a good time with it.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it. I will, I will pick it up on DVD as soon as I can uh, see it somewhere. I, I'm sure I will, I, I won't have a, a, as rough of a time with it, like uh, Hereditary, because uh,
1: mm-hmm. I,
0: I know it's a different type of horror, and uh, it has it has also some actors in it I really like. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, what I saw in two thousand eighteen horror related was uh, was something very interesting that was um, the house with the clock in its walls.
1: Oh, okay, yeah we missed that one unfortunately because we kept seeing trailers for it like every single screen and we went to and then we didn't get a chance to go in the end.
0: Mm-hmm. What was that like? Oh, it was great because I went there with my little brother because it's uh I don't know what was it rated? I think it was actually rated six in Germany um which okay. was which was interesting because uh, I was surprised when I watched the trailer and saw the name Eli Roth. Uh, in the director slot, because I was like, "What? Eli Roth made a made a children's horror film? Because he's known for his very very rough and disturbing and obnoxious splatter stuff. You know, the stuff like uh, what was it? Um, hostel.
1: A ho- mean, a
0: hostel, for example. And
1: like, carbon Fever as well. Cabin
0: Fever, yeah. And yeah. um, what was that, what, that one recently? Um, that, that that cannibal thing. And um, Green Green Inferno.
1: Um,
0: yes, yes that, that's the one so he he does all of that stuff and then all of a sudden he directs this which I thought was really odd and it actually it's produced by, by Amblin and it's a total throwback film to those 80s Amblin kids horror films you have this very very big Spielberg vibe going on it even it it the only thing it misses is actually just saying Steven Spielberg presents uh, it, at the <laughs> beginning, because it 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 has that vibe. Uh, the cast is great. I mean, I love Jack Black anyway, but he and Kate uh, Blanchett they are both great together. And the great thing is, it's actually scary because um, I watched those two Goosebumps movies also with uh, Jack Black, and those are just you know that that fun ghost house ride. You know, you are not really in danger you know you always like oh these you know these creatures are kind of like oh whatever it's more it's more like an action film than a horror film and in mm-hmm. and what's what's what i find great about those 80s kids films is when they wanted to be scary they really were scary like the early don blue stuff uh, some stuff disney put out during that time or like even like you know the emblem produced things like Mon uh, uh monster squad and all of that when they want to be scary, they are really scary. And uh, uh, House of a Clock in its Wards. Uh, its its a throwback to that, to that where it's really disturbing. There was one, there's one point, and I won't spoil it, but where they look over into another house, and there's this ghostly figure behind the window, and I jumped. You know, they don't sell it as a jump scare; it's just this thing there, and you can't quite <laughs> make it out. But both me and my little brother—we were just totally frightened. And when you know, when this kind of movie can actually. Make a grown-up jump. That's great. You know, they you have creepy dolls where you have um, you know a scary makeup. They they do a lot of great things with it. The story is pretty sweet. Uh, the 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 way they hint uh, towards the um, past of one of the main characters is very well and emotionally done. And also how they reveal how the bad guy actually got uh, you know his powers and his plan. It's so disturbing in a very, very fun, but also intense way. And I appreciated that from a kids' movie.
1: Yeah, no, I think I'm going to check that out now, right? I think you've sold it to me. Oh, yeah. Because I wasn't sure, like, seeing all the promo materials and stuff. It's a a 12A in the UK, so that's what we would consider quite tame. Um, And I was kind of like, eh, I'm probably not going to enjoy this, but I might, actually. <laughs> so let, let me chat that out, and I'll get back to you. I'll let you know what I think. Oh yeah, well, that would be
0: great. It. <laughs> it's it's really fun. It's it's uh, it's it's a fun it's a fun scary film, which actually you know has has some good uh, horror stuff in it, but also some some enchanting things. And it's uh, it's it's great to see Jack Black acting opposite all of these things because there's always this this um twinkle in his eye where it's like yeah this stuff is pretty scary but it's kind of enjoyable and fun too you know it's it's always like it's it's almost like he admires the horror in a way and that is very infectious and the, the acting is pretty solid from uh, everything from everybody involved there are certain um eli roth regulars who pop up here and there but uh, i thought i thought. Uh, It was it was actually quite fun and uh, quite disturbing for this kind of film. I I actually missed this kind of film. It's you know kids can handle way more than we give them credit for, and we even play around with some uh, gore ideas where it's not blood but it's something else.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I think you know, a lot of the time, I think film studios tend to sort of like patronize kids a little bit. And I think, you know, that they kind of don't understand that they are like, you know, like you say, Goosebumps was a huge part of like, your childhood and, and mine as well. You know, was and they, they were creepy. Like, I remember some of the stories. They were, they were strange.
0: Oh, yeah, I read the books. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then you have things like, did you have um, coverage the cowardly dog at all?
0: Uh, no, no, I didn't. That's
1: uh, a strange cartoon show. It was on Cartoon Network here in the UK. Look it up. Courage the Cowardly Dog. Very strange, very creepy. I, I've heard <laughs> Even of it. at the age of twenty three, I'm still creeped out by it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but at least, yeah,
1: very very odd. It's funny what kids can handle. <laughs>
0: yeah, I've at least heard of it here and there, but it's yeah. uh, it's, it's great to see um, certain kids' films, um, you know, going that extra mile because it was uh, it was funny where. Uh, when I watched Inside Out in the theater and there's the part where they are in the subconscious and this big scary clown turns up Mm -hmm. Uh, my my, my brother was kind of scared but he's kind of scared of clowns anyway but I was actually laughing because I was just enjoying this idea so much I found it so funny when at the end he's like well it's a birthday kid and uh, it's (laughs) (laughs) that was uh, I I found that uh, much much funnier but I I, I wasn't I wasn't ever really afraid of clowns anyway but also you know Pixar they they don't go quite the extra mile to really uh, scare uh, children also with with the Disney stuff that has come out recently you know with with some with some movies you still have uh, things you know really dangerous happening in them or something very sad you know certain certain people dying and all of that I'm I am enjoying so much that uh, movies like How to Train Your Dragon actually have consequences, you know, one of the characters loses a leg and then uh, a, a person who's really close to him dies and all of that and I'm really really curious to see what they will do in the third one.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh it's just it's just strange, isn't it? I'd I'd love to see more sort of things that are either cartoony or tailored to children with a bit more creepy stuff included in them. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm
0: here for that. <laughs> oh, actually, I think that reminded me. I think the closest thing we we got recently in that direction was stuff like Gravity Falls, for example. Oh yeah,
1: yes, I I saw the first few episodes of that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you should definitely. Really I cool. think it's I think it's on Net- Netflix. You should definitely continue because they uh, they play around with uh, scary ideas where it actually you know there there's certain horror stuff, some some scary, disturbing images, but there's always this playful tone that brings you back but it's a total throwback to the 80s things in terms of the characters, the setting. I enjoy that show so much.
1: Yeah, I'll check it out then. Yeah, I mean, I think I watched the first like three or four episodes. Maybe yeah, I remember my friend showed me them. Yeah. And then, you know, you kind of go off and, and you forget about things. Yeah. This is the thing with Netflix. They've got so many good things on it now. Oh yeah. Like, it's just impossible to watch everything, right? And, and I'm grateful for that but I'm like, guys, just slow down with this quality content. Like, I need to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> but You know,
0: it's just so many good things now. Sticking with kind of like kids animation and horror, uh, Hayao Miyazaki does that stuff uh, pretty much constantly. Stuff like, you know, um, Spirited Away is a great example where you have both this kind of Alice in Wonderland story but there's also very very scary things going on and also um, some some things you aren't quite sure what to think of it you know certain characters are revealed and you are not like immediately oh this character is good or this character is bad there's something in between and you're not quite sure but uh, Spirited Away is one of those great examples where they balance this enchanting stuff with very very scary stuff pretty well
1: yeah yeah, definitely. It's a, I, I can never pronounce the masked figure, and I hate myself for it, but you know who I mean. I yeah, you have yeah, a
0: bit, bit silent um, character, yeah.
1: Yeah, but that has always creeped me out a little bit. Yeah. It's... I, yeah, it's just something about masks. I think. And just looking at it, you're kind of like, hmm, this is a bit scary. I don't like this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's one of the big standout characters, because at the very beginning, you're not quite sure what to think of him. And he's kind of endearing for a while, and then he starts eating people, and then he... uh, Right, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Devours them, and then he gets aggressive, and then all of a sudden, he turns back. And you're not afraid of him anymore, but you're still like, there's something in this thing that it's uh, in a big slumber and maybe it will be let out someday again. But no, no, it's 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 pretty great um, to see those scary things actually ha- having depth to them and character. Also, like the witch who runs the bathhouse. He, she's not entirely evil. Uh, she is actually, you know, she she can be reasonable and she has a soft side to her. And when we learn, she has a twin sister and that sort of thing. No, it's 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 such a great movie. It's one of those movies I kind of hate. Because I envy it a little bit. Because I, I, was like, I wish I could come up with this type of stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, honestly, there's so many films I look at, and I think, man, I wish I wrote that. Like, honestly, yeah, <laughs> it's like, damn, I would have made so much money. <laughs> oh yeah, but, but it's just it's crazy, isn't it? Like, people are so like talented, so creative.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that movie is rated zero. In Germany, it's like it's you know, it's the equivalent of G, it's rated G. And I was like, No, this is this is totally you know, it's not PG 13, this is PG material right here. There's some scary stuff in this, you know, toddlers can't watch this,
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's a PG in the UK, which is basically one up from like a baby can watch this kind of level. So I was like, What?
0: (laughs) I don't know what they thought with that, I really don't know. They didn't even re rate it or anything. I think I still have like the DVD copy that says. Rated G, like rated zero in Germany, which is so weird. I was like, don't you pay attention, yo, know, when stuff like. Because with certain action movies that are rated PG 13, they come out as uh, rated 16 in Germany, stuff like the remake of um, The Magnificent Seven. Uh, mm. that's, that's rated 16, and it's PG 13 in America. And I'm like, you know, with certain stuff like violence and everything, Germany's pretty picky. But I guess when it's animation, they're like, yeah, whatever, it's for kids.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> kids, lol. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, have you watched
0: it? <laughs> it's 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 so weird. I think we often don't yeah.
1: understand film classifications though, because like, have you seen The Woman in Black?
0: Uh, I I I have seen parts of it, yeah.
1: Mm, so the woman in black in in the uk was rated a 12 oh. and it's so scary and i was like this is at least a 15 like what are you doing <laughs> this is it's weird Some... so like the equivalent of pg-30 and i was like what
0: you know one of the reasons could be because daniel Radcliffe is in it and they were oh, kind okay. of trying maybe they were trying to sell it over there as this stuff like oh maybe like this could be also something for the harry potter crowd and that's yeah, why that was the
1: decision. That's a stupid decision. Yeah,
0: that, that's why they lowered the rating. I'm actually pretty sure that's the reason because sometimes stuff comes out, st- stuff comes out where I'm like, there's no way somebody wasn't paid a huge amount of money to lower the rating for this. There was something, uh, there was something recently where I was thinking that, um, like with with Chappie, um, Chappie was rated 12 in in Germany. And that's a pretty violent movie. Where I was like, "What are you doing?"
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand sometimes because, like, I'm all for you know controversial films and whatever. But I feel like it's kind of like, "Are you sure you want this audience to be watching this?" Yeah. Like, really? Like, oh, just be careful.
0: I just remembered. I just remembered the movie where I was uh, where I was thinking that. And um, that was the first Fantastic Beasts and uh, Where to Find Them. That's rated six. Oh. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it, it pretty much. I think it was just because. Oh, it's Harry Potter, and it's this new kind of stuff. So, kids can see it. I think Warner Brothers paid the German censorship some amount of money for them to say yellow yeah, rating because there's some very scary stuff and very intense uh, shit going on, especially in the finale.
1: Mm. No, I think, you know, the Harry Potter crowd, you know, we kind of milk that over here as well in England, you know, it's kind of like, ah, yes, Harry Potter, everyone loves that, right? So (laughs) we kind of milk that sort of, you know, promo, I think, a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with Harry Potter, it's just kind of like this isn't the right way to approach this, and certainly not with the woman in black, I think you've made a mistake here, guys. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but, but i guess
1: like 12, 12 everyone should not be watching this yeah I, I
0: just i just came up with that reason you know why the rating is so low over there i think that actually might be the reason
1: <laughs> you know you're
0: probably right <laughs> yeah whenever sometimes i'm sometimes I'm right about this I'm, I'm i'm pretty good predicting certain things like for example when i see a trailer and i'm like this is gonna bomb like it maybe it might get good reviews but that will sink that no no one will go see that and i have been so many times so right about the stuff i was right about legend of tarzan not making <laughs> money i was right about um oh yeah immortal engines i saw the trailer and i was like nobody will go see that because nowadays when you're not based on something uh, comic book related you bomb <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, it's may- maybe the Oracle. You're predicting all these things, you just yeah. don't know it yet. <laughs> the, the, next, the next thing
0: I'm predicting is uh, Alita Battle Angel. Where I'm like, this, this movie looks fun, nobody will go see that because the source material is too obscure for a mass audience.
1: Yeah, I even... would like to see it, but I, I can't see it performing as well
0: as yeah. they would have liked. No, even with James Cameron's name on it, this, this thing will tank. Mm.
1: No, I, I, think, I think it will. <laughs>
0: i'm calling i'm calling it now i'm I, I would like to be proven wrong at a certain point in time but with that thing nobody will go see it no uh, le- at least not the masses you know a certain fans will will see it my little brother actually wants to see it but um this will nope this will tank i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it sounds like you take your brother to a lot of uh, screenings. My my brother has different tastes to me, unfortunately. So I can't
0: do that. Which which brings me, Box Office brings me to another thing. This is a question I would like to ask you. Why do you think horror movies during the last couple of years are doing so incredibly well, no matter of what they're based on or of what part of the universe they are or something? Horror films consistently are doing well. And um, mm-hmm. do you have do you have a certain reason or an explanation for that?
1: Um, I think, you know, people are just enjoying the sensation of being scared now. You know, it's very much a sort of let's go to the cinema. Let's watch a horror. Let's be scared. And, you know, I, I just I don't know what I feel like we've had, you know, a lot of cool stuff on Netflix as well. Like we had the Haunting of Hill House recently, which did exceptionally well. You know, we've had loads of Netflix spooky things and American Horror Story and the birth of all of these different things. And I just think audiences are becoming more desensitized and sort of more craving weird psychological stuff at this point. You know, back in the day, like back when Psycho was first released, for example, in 1960, people were horrified by that. Yeah. Fast forward to now. We watch all these weird shit and we're just like, oh, you know, cool, you know, this guy got his head chopped off, that's great. You know, I, I do feel like audiences are becoming a lot more desensitized to this kind of gratuitous violence and sort of jumpy moments. In a way, it's kind of thrilling for a modern audience. We we love that stuff
0: now. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a very good explanation because I, I think of it as... Nowadays the, the Western civilization has a pretty good life, you know a lot of a lot of people are um, they are making you know they, they have they have jobs, they have a roof uh, above their head. They don't have to worry about very, very dark stuff happening. you know we are not in a we're not in the state of war currently. you know it's it's most people most Western civilizations are fine. and mm-hmm. I think that's why they are seeking their frills. In the cinema, because the real life doesn't give them really thrills anymore because of course in in times of like World War two, there weren't horror movies produced for obvious reasons because people were looking for escapism and all of that also in the in the time after the war you know it took some time to uh you know get make people realize uh, how lucrative this can be and how fun this can be and also it was a different state of time where. People weren't really thinking about that scary stuff. I mean, uh, in the '30s, there was there was King Kong, which horrified people.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is funny, just you know, looking at the evolution of cinema and the kind of things that people were like, "Oh, this is terrible!" Wow, like you looked at like Nosferatu, for example, and everyone's oh, yeah. like, "Whoa, scary!" And it's like, no, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah, how I mean, te- te- technology and and society have advanced in such a way.
0: Yeah, you could still admire the filmmaking and the ideas, you know, and thinking about what uh, what it did back then
1: Oh yeah yeah definitely. but uh, cer-
0: certain stuff maybe doesn't have quite the power anymore but i watched psycho recently and i think that totally holds up on so many levels which still which still gets you when back when i saw it i think I, I saw it when i was about 16 17 a cousin showed it to me and i already knew about the shower scene because mm. that's one of the most iconic <laughs> moments in cinema history but yeah. i didn't i didn't know the context so I was as soon as she gets into the show, I was like, "Okay, I'm prepared for it. I know what's gonna happen. But I didn't know all the stuff after that. What actually the reveal is and that really got me when the chair turns around. I, I was jumping, you know it, that was like, <laughs> oh boy, Oh boy, didn't expect that. And it's uh, if uh, I think I talked about that um, in a in another podcast episode, but i I was like, if I had a time machine, That would be one of the first things I would do. I would go to the premiere of Psycho and see the audience reactions.
1: I would love that, yes. I would give anything for that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I love how Hitchcock just didn't care. They were like, look, we don't want to put your film out there. Audiences won't watch this. And he's like, fine, I'll find another studio then. And they were like, oh shit. You know, he wanted it out there and he got it out there. Yeah, he
0: financed it himself.
1: Without that, we wouldn't have had the gradual sort of evolution into the horror that we know today. Yeah, absolutely. I love Hitchcock; he's just wonderful. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: put put his own money into it. Um, yeah, shot exactly. it with his TV crew to save money. Boy, he uh, he just wanted to do it. Uh, some some somebody on the internet, I think it was Jay Borman of uh, Red Letter Media. He he said uh, Hitchcock did it kind of like as a lark to see what he could get away with at the time. And I think he's he's right. You know, this uh, this uh, the movie has this cheeky vibe sometimes of Hitchcock being behind the camera and seeing okay what can I get away with here how far can we push this
1: yeah no definitely you thought well I'm here now we may as well (laughs) yeah yeah I, I think yeah you're right though just imagine being in that audience oh wow just imagine that you know they were such a like you know they had the motion picture production code for a long time and they were very you know big on their censorship and then this this arrives. Yeah, <laughs> and you think, "Oh my god!"
0: <laughs> did, you so watch, did you watch? Did you watch the biopic Hitchcock with Anthony Hopkins?
1: I did. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was great.
0: Oh yeah, it was really great. And especially at the end when he's air conducting the screams outside.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. I I love Anthony Hopkins. Obviously, you know. So just to, to see him as Hitchcock, it was just fantastic.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I enjoyed. <laughs> I enjoyed that film a lot. It was uh, it was really cool how they how they showed uh, the the progress of a movie. Just this very very small point in time of his career, and how they tease his next big thing when the crow or the raven lands on his shoulder. It's just <laughs> yeah, very very yeah. It's great. It's also quite quite a cheeky and, uh, and and funny little movie. But uh, yeah, and uh, your explanation was pretty good with why why are horror movies doing so well nowadays? Um, Because I also wanted to talk about the appeal of horror. What is it? Why do we like being scared? Why do we go to the cinema? Why do we pay money to be unnerved? (laughs) I
1: think, you know, obviously I'm not a psychologist, so this is just purely my hypothesis, but I think... You know, we, we love to be thrilled as humans. You know, we love to go on roller coasters. We love to do things like that. We love an adrenaline rush. And I think horror can give you that adrenaline rush. You know, I, I, I hate roller coasters. I'm famously scared of roller coasters. Like, I will not set foot in a theme park. I, I hate them. But I will watch a horror film because it has that sort of kind of like, ooh, adrenaline rush. Yeah, I love it. Like, the thrill. Yeah. But, you, but, you're, but you're safe. You're still safe in a chair. <laughs> Fits me,
0: and you're yeah. still
1: getting that. You're still getting the thrill. You're still getting the sort of experience. You know, it's a good thing to experience either on your own or with friends. Um, I don't know. I just think we just love to do this to ourselves. I think life would be boring if we didn't. Um Yeah. No. I just think. I think humans love doing that. Humans love being thrilled, being scared, being a little bit sort of, you know, thinking, overthinking that kind of thing. We're just strange like that, aren't we?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very, very good explanation. Because yeah. um yeah. Roller coaster rides, haunted houses, all of that. Um, Yeah, because it's, like you said, it's a safe thrill. At the end of the day, you're still sitting in the cinema seat or on your couch, and you know that, and you get pulled into this world of horror, but deep inside you, you know, this is all not real, and I can turn this thing off after it, and then I will have a nice rest of the day, uh, unless you have a big imagination and go to bed, and then the horror creeps in again. That sometimes happens, too. But um, I think that that is a very, very good reason for that. Being scared to a certain extent is fun. We want that rush and we want that relief. We want it to be safe. And um, it's, uh, I think that's, uh, that might be the big psychological secret of why do people love horror films so much?
1: Maybe that is as well. And I think um, we started watching uh, the Ted Bundy tapes on, on Netflix, you know, the one, the, the new um, documentary that they've put out. And I think, you know, a lot of the time when it comes to serial killer horror films, I think it's because they're so far removed from the average human that we're so fascinated by them. And it's very much like a what would drive a person to do such horrible things, you know, when it's kind of the, the morbid curiosity that we have as humans, we just want to watch it and, and see and learn. About these people, even though it's horrifying, yeah, you know, and you know, because we think, oh, I would never want to like, you know, stab somebody, but like we, we watch people that do, and it's just it's strange. I've always been fascinated with like kind of like the serial killer complex and that kind of thing, purely from a psychological perspective. You know, I want to understand why they do the things that they do. So things like slasher films, I think that this is why we put ourselves through that, personally. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, which yeah. that it can be quite fascinating uh, to see. That, that's why those kind of biopics are. Don't aren't they doing there? The, there has been a trailer released uh, recently with.
1: Oh, Zac Efron. Yeah, yeah. Zac Efron. Yeah. Uh,
0: where he will play uh, a serial killer in this biopic uh, film. Which which one was it again?
1: It, it's Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, they're doing another one of him. Um... So that there's a one with actual Ted Bundy's like voice on Netflix and then this is Zach Efron playing Ted Bundy um but people are kind of worried about you know the kind of romanticizing him or whatever but I don't think that's the case whos knows, who knows uh, so sure, I feel about that trailer yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen the trailer yet I've just seen another of the news flash. But I'm 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 curious about that. You know, he has he has proven himself to be actually a really really solid actor in certain things, and yeah. uh, we will see how he will handle this uh, this type of stuff. Uh, very very curious to see actors like that uh, branching out. You know, I'm I'm always I'm always very excited when a person who is mostly maybe like known for comedy or romantic stuff tries himself uh, out in the horror or thriller genre. Uh, not just directors, but actors as well. And um, there's been, there's been some, some, some cool stuff. Wasn't there, I think it wasn't that movie also from 2017 or 18 ghost stories, that British.
1: Oh, ghost stories. Yes. I loved that one. That was fantastic. I
0: liked it a lot too. Like I was, I wasn't very really keen on the ending. No spoilers here, people. The, the mm. ending, the ending I thought was a little bit disappointing, but for the most part, I liked this concept a lot. I wished I could have seen that when it played, you know, on the, on the stage because yeah, I think they they're,
1: they're bringing it back to London, so I'm oh, going to be first in line for tickets. I'm going
0: to do it. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome! If I can, uh, if if I can, I would actually fly over there just to go to that. Uh, that would be that would be awesome. Because I think they, uh, even not uh, watching the the stage play before, I think they they lost something here and there in in translation, which is obviously something that's going to happen with this kind of adaptation. You know, it, yeah. in certain scenes, you can tell that this is based on a stage play but for the most part the horror stuff was executed so interestingly that i actually couldn't imagine this being on stage i was like wow this is actually very very cinematic i was surprised by how well the movie was made and also how uh, you know paul whitehouse in a dramatic role for a change which was interesting
1: Uh, i think i think it was just you know and, and martin freeman as well i've never seen martin freeman in a horror film i don't think I think there's so it was some... interesting to to see the two of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there's something on Netflix. Um, I I don't remember what it's called, but it's also some kind of uh, horror stuff. I I think, but uh, yeah, it's uh, him, him seeing in in this type of action, uh, in, in this type of horror thing was quite interesting. I think his segment was among the scariest. Uh,
1: you mean Martin Freeman's or Paul Whitehouse's?
0: Yeah, but uh, Martin Freeman's. That was. Uh...
1: Yes, yes, yes. I totally agree. Yeah, that that freaked me out. That was quite traumatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also
0: that—that's one of the movies where it's—it's it's pretty much you know there are a lot of jump scares in that, but I think they used it in a in a cool way, uh, where I thought it was actually pulled off quite well.
1: Yeah, and I think you know I, I'm trying to like keep it as vague as possible so that listeners can go away and, and discover it for themselves. But I feel <laughs> like each each individual incident was so different and so unique, and they were different like victims as well, and it was just so clever. Yeah. how it was like the way they kind of you know responded to the incidents and that kind of thing
0: yeah the, Just, well, yeah. the first one is this classic oh, haunted the house. first one was horrible yeah the the the, the 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 classic haunted house stuff in a way um and then the, the second one is is the oddest I think with it's, it's, this is uh, some really surreal stuff that's going on here and uh, the, the third one is in the way scariest because it's invading a personal living space.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, it was just, it's amazing to see so many, um, you know, wonderful British actors sort of come into the screen as well. So um, the guy who was in the second, uh, like, segment, uh, Alex Lothar, he was in Black Mirror and sort of blew up there on Netflix. And since then, he's become like a sort of British, like sort of heartthrob, like really good actor. And I loved him in that. I thought it was fantastic yeah. and goes story. I thought
0: it was great as well. I've seen a other he was stuff before. genuinely funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. It's it's it definitely yeah. the second. The second one is also like uh, the, the most comedic in a in a in a way uh, because it's it's filled with with black British yeah. humor. The whole thing, uh, which is which is great. Which uh, the the Brits always can pull off. That's why I love uh, British cinema so much. You're yeah, well, you good at that. <laughs> <laughs> you have that vibe uh, going. All throughout this thing but it's it's also very weird how and this is also you know I'm, I'm i'm trying to talk about this without spoiling it it was kind of weird how all of these segments reach a peak and then it just fades out you know it and then it just when you're waiting for this kind of punchline, and then it kind <laughs> of happens it kind of happens but then it doesn't which was really really strange and in the end it kind of all comes together but it's still, it's 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 interesting how they structure it. And I'm curious to see if I ever get the chance how this works in the original play.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I would love to. I don't actually know when they're bringing it back, but I'm going to go. <laughs> it's going to happen. Oh, <laughs> I need to set it on the stage.
0: It would, would be so amazing if I actually got the chance to do that too. But yeah, yeah. Ghost Stories, uh, pretty pretty underrated film. I, I've seen it advertised here in Germany, but I never got the chance to see it in the in the cinema, I watched it uh, later on Blu-ray, and I was I was very very uh, pleasantly. I wasn't surprised because I expected it to be good. I, I had fun with it. Let's let's say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, What we caught it in in the cinema, and it's funny because even that opening like credit sequence made me jump. That was clever. Ah, what I was, like, it just sort of like screams. You're like, for fuck's sake, <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> it just you know kind of anticipates you for like what like what's to come.
0: You know, it's it's very funny. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, true, true. But that's 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 well done as well, yeah. Oh man. There's lots yeah, lots of good horror uh, has come out uh during the last few years and I I, I purposefully skipped the nun because
1: Yeah, let's not talk about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you did you Did you watch that one?
1: I did, yeah
0: really bad <laughs> oh boy because it was like oh the conjuring universe not directed by james Wan, not interested by
1: <laughs> yeah exactly like what is this like fake like like who is this person like no one cares you know um it was really bad it was just sort of a really weak story it's the epitome of jump scares for the sake of jump scares it was just nonsense really um, and they got into a lot of trouble for the um, adverts they did on YouTube as well.
0: I don't oh, yeah. know if you saw those. I heard about that. I, I, I never saw it in person, but uh, I, I heard people complain about that when I saw, like, a reaction video of it. That, that's, that's a dick move, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a stupid move as well because, you know, a lot of people lie about their age on YouTube. So, like, if you're a 12-year-old or, like, whatever on the internet and you get that target advert at, like, midnight or something, that's just not fair, you know? Yeah, you, You've got to be sensible with these kind of things. Like, fair enough, put it before an R-rated movie in the cinema, but don't put it on YouTube. You know, just common sense.
0: (laughs) Because I was also afraid of... Because The Nun, uh, that was... For me, it was, for many people, it was one of the highlights of The Second Conjuring. I thought it was very well done there. And the explanation of it is also great. And I actually thought The Nun movie would ruin that. You know, they would maybe make up a different kind of backstory and all of that. Because the point in The Second Conjuring is... um, it's it has this uh, this this figure, you know. It it, it takes on the, the this look of this creepy nun to insult the beliefs of the main character, to 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 be blasphemic and all of that. That's the whole point. And I actually, and I watched the trailer for the nun, and I was like, Is this like this oh no, this ancient stupid thing with some stupid backstory, and it's gonna ruin the second Conjuring. I was like, no thanks. Does that happen? <laughs>
1: Yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there <laughs> It's just not even worth watching I was bored, you know Like I was just sort of sat there And then I jumped a few times And then I was just sort of like, oh I want to leave But I don't like walking out of films So I, I, I've got a rule that I don't walk out of films So I'm just going to sit here
0: And it's elevated But it was rip. I would all I walked out of one movie um but okay. it's,
1: which one <laughs> uh,
0: it, it was a bad german comedy you wouldn't have heard of it it was it's oh, called okay. uh, bully parade which is like an anthology, anthology sketch show and i walked i pretty much walked out because my whole family wanted to walk out after 30 minutes my mom leaned over to me and i was like can we go and i was like yeah whatever because uh, <laughs> also i never walked out on, on a movie before i was tempted some uh, uh, sometimes but I never did and in that case it was like okay my family wants to leave I don't uh, one of the main reasons was I don't want them to stick around if they don't want to because I didn't want to see the movie I wasn't like I wasn't dragging them out it was their idea to go see it and I was like okay let's go see it and then they regretted it and after 30 minutes they had enough and I was like okay fine <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I think there's been some excruciating film experiences that I've had, but I've stuck through it somehow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you just got the, the closest I've come to walking out of a film before was Brave. Um the, the Pixar's Brave at the point when it turns out the mother is turning into a bear when they reveal it. And, you know, if the curtain falls down and she's a bear. I was so incredibly angry, I almost walked out. <laughs> because at that point, I was like, okay, now I know every other step this movie is going to take. And there, it's not, you know, it's and also it's ripping, it's kind of ripping off Brother Bear. And I was like, no, this is actually, I was so tempted, but I stuck with it. And the rest of the movie is not horrible. The whole movie isn't isn't bad, objectively. I was just very disappointed by that reveal.
1: Yeah, no, I do, I do hate it when it, like, a film takes a turn or it sort of reveals something, you just start there going oh wow, why'd you do that? <laughs> you yeah. ruined it, it could have been good.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, I totally agree. But boy, yeah, um, so when I, I heard with The Nun, I heard something about like Magical Christ Blood or something. <laughs> oh god,
1: what? I can't even remember. Ah,
0: Okay, then it's probably. I've I've
1: tried to block it from my memory,
0: quite frankly. I I, I understand. I'm just like I
1: don't want to watch this again.
0: What I I could get from the trailers, at least, it looked like it was well made. You know, it looked like it was atmospheric in a way, and it's it has this uh, also this uh, old school Hammer horror vibe. It did they did that right at least besides the jump scares.
1: I mean cinematically yes you know it was very sort of gothic you know obviously it's it's set in like a convent like with nuns so it's got that kind of gothic you know old school vibes to it and certainly hammer influences just narratively speaking it was really bad okay and i think it's such a shame because it's like look you've got clearly got a good production team you've got good special effects you just couldn't make the script work yeah and that that obviously can destroy an entire film it's like yes it can look beautiful yes it can look whatever but if it doesn't Tell the story correctly, then you've lost me. Uh, but you know, I'd rather have a good story and slightly off cinematography than the other way around. You know.
0: Oh sure, sure, absolutely.
1: <laughs> Just oh me boy. personally. I mean, I know there are some people who prefer the aesthetic, but for me, it's like I want a good story. Yeah. And If it's not there, I'm like,
0: nah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Now, I listened to the I listened to the soundtrack beforehand a little bit on iTunes, and I was like, this is this is really really cool, creepy music that deep deep demonic throat singer they use i thought that was well done
1: yeah that was cool yeah and that's the thing though like they had all of these cool elements and then they just failed with the script and it's like why Uh, uh, (laughs) sack your screenwriter get another one (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) damn because that that nun scene in the second conjuring with a picture with a painting on the wall that's one of the best scenes in that where they oh, yeah. really really prepare you, and it's uh, it's great when for a moment the eyes seem to be brighter and lively when she turns the light on, and it's it's uh, just the painting again. And also no, not really a jump scary scene. It's just atmosphere and waiting, and then at a certain point it escalates, but in a way that isn't uh, cheap.
1: No, no, exactly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was that was well done, and so I was like, "Oh, this is this is cool with a nun character here." And as soon as they announced the nun, I was like, "Okay, this is a cash grab just because that character was popular." I'm waiting. I'm actually waiting when they will do a soul movie based on the lipstick demon face, you know, from the Insidious movies, and because. <laughs> yes. But I'm also thinking about maybe we missed out on that. You know, there, there was a certain point in time where they could have made a cash grab movie and they just uh, continued to make these insidious movies and I stopped after 3. I was like, you know, 3 was solid, but it's what's clearly not directed by James Wan. You know, it was fine movie in its own right. It had some stupid jump scares in it, but whatever. But uh, after that, I stopped. And then I heard things about the fourth one. I was like, what are you doing? Jesus Christ
1: yeah no honestly i think the first insidious was just so wonderful and you know it's the whole like oh it's not the house that's haunted it's your son like oh my god you know that kind of thing um and you know it's very much like no matter where you go the demon's there yeah it's like like shit man like it was just such a cool concept i love the script i love the cinematography there's that scene where the kid's in bed and then you can kind of see this like elongated arm with like long fingers and you're like oh oh yeah and also, you know, little things like that, and then they just get lazy, I think. And the, that's
0: such a shame. Yeah, they have the handprint on the window early on is also great. Yeah. And the the mm-hmm. clicking, this clicking sound. It's so amazing, especially <laughs> for how, how cheap the movie was, how quickly they shot it. I think they shot it in like three or four weeks. Um, very, yeah. very, very quick thing. And then it became this huge hit. And that, that, I think that was one of the movies that actually kind of set up Blumhouse as a production company. That was one of the later ones where it wasn't, uh, you know, quite the Blumhouse we know it today. But that was when they tried of, uh, kind of tried that formula out, which we are doing now pretty, you know, at least financially successfully. So uh, I'm curious to see where all of that stuff goes. But uh, yeah, Insidious. And then the second one, like I said, it's just an extended epilogue. The third one is in its own right, it's a, it's a fine movie in a way. It works as a prequel, but it's, it has also this, this stupid ending jump scare, we, also with the lipstick face demon. I think uh, I heard that he's also in the fourth one, but I, I haven't seen that one, because I saw, the tra- uh, I saw the trailer and there's this figure with like the, the key hands, you know, and it puts the key in, a, in your throat and you stop screaming. Do you know what that character is called?
1: Uh, no, I don't actually,
0: no. I, he's called Key Face. Which is the one part of his body where he doesn't have keys?
1: Oh my god! <laughs> He's credited as
0: Keyface in the ending credits. <laughs> oh my
1: god! That, that's so cringy. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Oh boy! I'm kind of curious to see it now because I heard it was just so bad. <laughs> I was like, let's uh let's let's try it out at some point maybe. But you know, I I think I will watch uh hereditary before that just to be sure like th- this can't be you know I-, I i can't live with myself not finishing that masterfully done horror movie but instead just going and watching a crappy one <laughs>
1: yeah yeah no i'd much rather you know you watch something that was actually good than put yourself through scares for the sake of a shit film yeah <laughs> so, watching you a... definitely try? Try and finish her edit and then let me know what you think because oh, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: I will. I will, as soon as I finish it, I will put it out on Twitter too. Because I made this tweet, I am about halfway through and I can't, I, I think I can't finish it. I am so exhausted and, and uh, incredibly unnerved. Watching bad horror movies is always a bad experience, like watching a bad comedy. Those are pretty much the two genres that are the most awful things to sit through because you can watch a bad action film and maybe get some entertainment out of it or like a bad drama, you know, like how The Room is a failed drama and it's one of the best bad movies ever made because it's just so incompetent in the way it does anything. Mm -hmm. But when you're watching a bad comedy, that means it's not funny. And when you can't even get that out of it, that's a big fail. And also a horror movie... Not being scary that can sometimes work in an unintentionally funny way. But for the most part, a bad horror movie for me is just a thing that's, that's filled with jump scares and does nothing else. And that's just, that's just something I don't want to put myself through. No,
1: exactly. I think honestly though, I think you know, bad comedies are worse than bad horrors. Yeah. Because at least, like, bad horrors are kind of unintentionally funny, like you say, but, like, a bad comedy, you're just kind of cringing. You're just, like, oh, you're just trying to hard Stop. It's like, I really can't get on with American comedies a lot of the time. Like, they have to try really hard to impress me, because I find American humor quite cringy. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I think, you know, there are some really solid examples, but there's a lot, a lot of bad stuff out there as well.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, there are a lot of solid American comedies I quite like. Like, the uh, some of the early Judd Apatow produced stuff, or something, something like something like Knocked Up. I quite enjoy because it's not just a comedy; it's also a it has also this nice dramatic stuff about person you know, about people who clearly are not ready to, uh, you know, become parents, but they work yeah. themselves through it, and they don't quite fit together, and then they do. I enjoy I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. I enjoy like stuff like Superbad. You know, something that is raunchy in an in a way that's earned, I like. I don't like stuff that's raunchy just just for the sake of being raunchy and gross. You know, it has to be. It has to have something else. And I think a lot of American comedies do that quite well. And sometimes, you know, stuff like, stuff like the first Anchorman, I think, is really funny just because the characters are so unique and the concept yeah. is so funny. So I I showed my little brother the the the, the fight scene in the first Anchorman where it's it's like. Uh, why do we have a hand grenade? I have no idea and when he stands in the middle of this brawl and <laughs> screaming with a hand grenade it's just it, how this whole thing escalates and puts the movie on a whole different rail how, where it's like where did this come from but it works just because it's so random <laughs> yeah
1: I loved the first Man and then the second one I was like oh never
0: mind <laughs> 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 sometimes yeah a lot of American, you know, um, animated comedy stuff, stuff like Storks, which was this very, very surprise hit where it's just like, boy, this movie that wasn't really advertised that well is so incredibly funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because with British stuff, you kind of expect it to be funny in a way. That's just how that, that cinema works. I, I just love, uh, you know, I mean, Britain has this, big, big history with great comedy stuff going all the way back to, you know, Black Adam, Monty Python, uh, all yeah. that stuff. You know, I grew up, I grew partially up with Monty Python and that's, I still, it's on Netflix now. I still like to watch it. It's even like the odd ones. It's just, it's it's so iconic right now. And um, I, yeah. I never get tired of just British humor, this very, very interesting kind of humor, which I never can quite crack. Like I, I never, I never quite can put my finger on it. What makes it so special? It's just so different from everything else.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like obviously, I'm, I'm British and I've lived in in England all my life, and I still don't quite understand where it comes from. <laughs> but we just have this unique talent for doing it, um, and it's great. I mean, we sometimes we get it wrong. There's been some terrible British comedies as well as there always is. But yeah. you know, for the most part, we're quite good.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always a bad day for everything so that's that's absolutely understandable but you know british comedy is much more than just uh, edgar wright and he did he did a brilliant job with the cornetto trilogy and uh, with everything else he did so you know also with a space you know where they set up a lot of jokes that would pay off later in a bigger way um but yeah british comedy is just filled with stuff even like in british horror movies like i said with uh, ghost stories there's there's a big twinkle in its eye where it's like oh boy nobody can pull this off except the british it's it's great yeah no i totally agree (laughs) (laughs) yeah how how did we how did we come to comedy yeah just like bad comedies are horrible i guess that's the connection uh, to our horror topic
1: Yes, no, so- sorry, guys. I always—it's always a segue in in podcasts, I think. But no, I think it was very much a sort of you can salvage a bad horror, but you can't salvage a bad comedy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I have so many bad horrors. Like my my step has this joke with me where he buys me a crap horror film every every year for Christmas, and then I watch it and review it. Um, so he's bought me some terrible ones. I've got one called Strippers versus Werewolves. That's amazing. <laughs> it's so crap and I was like what is this
0: that sounds amazing certainly (laughs) so
1: funny yeah so I think you know at least you can laugh at at bad horror films you know
0: oh yeah (laughs) oh great great so um, in conclusion because my if this podcast, you know, people are used to some segue[s] and weird tangents sometimes, but it happens all the time. Even in interviews, I do with, with certain people, you know. Like I do, I did some um, composer interviews in the past, and sometimes we just uh, go go off script in a way and just talk about this stuff and then that stuff, and it, it's fun. <laughs> oh, I always do that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So um. To uh, be, before we give this a conclusion. Is there something coming out this year horror related you're looking forward to? Uh,
1: yes. There's the new um Jordan Peele film. Oh. Which is yeah, what's that what's that called again? Us. Us, Us yeah. yes. Really excited for that. Um and I'm excited for Velvet Buzzsaw on Netflix as well, which is coming out this Friday, I think. Oh. That's got Jake Gyllenhaal in it and it's meant to be like about the art. Yeah, so yeah. I'm very excited for that. Oh, I
0: heard about that too. And um, does the new It movie come out this year too? The second oh, one? I don't
1: no, actually, I haven't heard much more about it. It's gone a bit quiet. Yeah,
0: I think I think it does because I think I think we're so late with the marketing because we're like people will go see it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I
1: hope it is. Yeah, because I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. They did such a
0: good job. Oh yeah, I'm I'm curious about the second one because that the, the grown up stuff I think is weaker than the kid stuff and the book itself. But I. I I'm curious about, they, they picked very, very good actors uh, for the grown-up versions of these characters. And I'm, I'm curious to see what they will do, how they will pay it off, if they even get into that whole, um, you know, uh, cosmic, uh, like, uh, Lovecraftian stuff that's in the book. If they, if they do that in this movie, that would be interesting.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I still haven't finished the book actually; cause it's so
0: okay. long. <laughs> well, you will, you will, you will see when you get to it. I was.
1: It's it's sat on my shelf, and I'm nearly there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's good. That's good, because it has this payoff none would expect quite so much. But yeah, that's that's some horror-related stuff that's coming out. I don't know. Maybe the new Hellboy will have some horror in it. Probably. I mean, it's rated R. Maybe it will combine yeah, this action and the, horror stuff. In,
1: well. I'll I'll probably watch it, but I'm not that interested in it because it just looks pretty cringy from the trailer, (laughs) but we'll
0: see. I thought it it looked fine in a way where I was like, oh, I admire the makeup, I admire the creatures we are showing, you know, I admire that it's rated R and letting loose a little bit but you miss that Guillermo del Toro touch that style because it's not not quite the same but if they can do something else something different because it's weird totally the jokes are really not that different so I was like why are they even rebooting this at all but I guess also del Toro is kind of like uh, with his projects you know moving on and see what he can do I mean now he has some cloud with uh, his Oscars so uh, I'm, I'm glad for him. Maybe now he can actually get that Lovecraft thing off the ground. You know, he wanted that. Yeah. Uh, certain Lovecraft things he always wanted to do, and maybe he can do it now.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's, he's just so wonderful, though, isn't he? He's just such a wonderful filmmaker. And yeah, absolutely. Just his vision, just love him. Such a, I'm such a Del Toro fan girl. I oh. love everything he's done.
0: <laughs> I, I'm a big fanboy as well. So I, I, I love his work, and it's always so creative and so unmistakably him always it's 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 great how he how he uh, lights his stuff how he writes it and and everything like even if he uh, no matter if he does a horror film like uh, like for example um crimson peak or if he does something like hellboy 2 or pacific rim you can always see it's one of his films and i i really admire that
1: yeah and even the shape of water which was just so beautiful
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I,
1: and I cried out. And I was like, it's so gorgeous. But like, and it, but you're right, it's just so him. You know, it has very kind of like Pan's labyrinth vibes in a weird way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yes,
1: sorry, I, again, tangents, but I love Del Toro. Which is, <laughs> He's just so wonderful.
0: Which is quite amazing when you consider Shape of Water might be one of the more easily accessible films <laughs> of his. Yeah, no, exactly. If that one actually is one where you're like, oh, I could show... A person who isn't quite into certain genres or doesn't even know anything about Del Toro. I could show this person and he or she would probably like this. Because I'm yeah. trying to I'm trying to get at one point I want to show my mother Pan's Labyrinth. Because I will I, I want to see how she will react It. I I think I described it already. It's kind of like it's kind of like Del Toro's version of Schindler's List in a way. Where well, it's very totally true. Yeah, where <laughs> where he tackles this, this very, very serious topic. But he makes it his own by throwing that fantasy stuff in it, and the uh, experience is just marvelous. But at the same time, so incredibly brutal and violent and so heart wrenching. So I'm I'm curious to see how she will react to that one. Um, it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm definitely i definitely looking forward to uh, to that. I will I will I will show it to a couple of people actually. I I have to show it to one of my friends who is a big film buff as well. Uh, through me and uh, let's see how she will react. It's it's, it's going to be good.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a must-watch, that one, for sure. Oh yeah, I've shown most of my friends that as well. Yeah, It's kind of like a, a prerequisite to be my friend. You have to watch that film. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: In, in, yeah. con- in, conclu- <laughs> in conclusion, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with Del Toro, because he shows that in his horror films, the scariest thing are not always the ghosts of the monsters. The scariest thing are just people. That's true. <laughs> because <laughs> always, always in his in his horror movies, the people are the real horror. the the, the, the ghosts or the monsters are sometimes just the things who want to help. Or, you know, like like in Crimson Peak, for example, when you watch that, it's it's it has this kind of, it has that feeling to it. And it's uh, it's amazing. You know, it's uh, in conclusion, I wanted to say because. All of this springs from the minds of humans to scare other human beings. And that's why we are here. That's why we are discussing this. And to uh, to actually think about the fact that there are certain people who think of stuff to scare other people for entertainment. That concept alone is in a weird way so abstract and so extraordinary that... I can't quite wrap my head around it, but I really like it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that was just a perfect way to wrap it up, honestly. You know, I think, you know, that's just what we do as humans. And and that's the way I like it, so.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, totally. So, um, dear people, I hope you had fun with our little rambling about this specific topic. Maybe it wasn't quite what you expected, but I think you can get something out of this. I certainly had a huge amount of fun. It was so great to have you as a guest and uh, listen to your input.
1: Yeah, no, it's been an absolute pleasure being here. I had an absolute blast. So many good films there. I could talk for hours about this, but obviously we have to come to an end at some point. So yeah,
0: it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. So um, where can people find you on the web of the Inter?
1: Yeah, you can find me at LGTH blog on Twitter and Instagram. And if you just go on Facebook and type in Lucy Goes to Hollywood, then I will pop up. That's where I am. I'm mainly on Twitter, because Twitter is kind of my favorite thing at the
0: minute, so... Oh, yeah. Same here. Amazing. You can find me on uh, Facebook and Twitter at Lasse Vogt. I write German soundtrack reviews for scoregeek.wordpress.com and I'm also a news author for Um, moviefreaks.de Definitely check that out. It's a great site with great, great people, big, big film fans. Um, I have a YouTube channel, The Depart, where I do all sorts of stupid stuff. And... um, I think that, oh, and this podcast you can find on uh, SoundCloud at iTunes. And I'm the co-host of a different podcast. It's a 90s Christmas podcast with Laya Perez, also available on iTunes or on Podomatic.com. Together we talk about Christmas movies uh, from the 90s and uh, their uh, relationship with us and our big, big nostalgia. Definitely check that out. Uh, Fun, fun podcast. We got some very, very nice comments for that um thank you so much for being a guest on here i had a great great time and i can't thank you enough for uh, giving us the time to uh, to be so incredibly helpful and knowledgeable about this topic
1: oh thank you no the pleasure is all mine i've been wanting to be on here for such a long time now so it finally happened so absolute pleasure thank great thank
0: and you, can, you are welcome back anytime, no matter what topic it is or you want to talk about. I would really love to uh, have you back at a certain point.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we'll get you on mine at some point when
0: we're all set up. Yes, Happy yes. Thoughts. Look, Looking forward to that. Can't wait. So, dear listeners, thank you again for listening. You know where to find us. Uh, have a very good or maybe spooky night. And have fun being scared in the cinema to all eternity. And good night and goodbye. Bye!